0: Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8 verses 31 through 36 as we continue in this series the Jesus we need not the one presented by our culture not the one we so often pick and choose what we want to hear from him but the actual Jesus of Nazareth the one sent forth from God as he is shown to us in John's gospel and this is John 8:31 Thirty six, the very words of God. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him. We are the offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free... You will be free indeed. God, would you show us true freedom? Would you take us by the hand, by your Spirit? Would you open our eyes and would you lead us into the freedom of the sons of God? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We all want freedom. That's a big theme in our culture. We all want freedom. And Jesus says, none of us are free. None of us are free. He says we can be. And He can make us free. So, what is real freedom? Maybe we should start with what is freedom as it is currently kind of... Framed as it is currently kind of defined just in our culture today. And and freedom today for people kind of looks like this. It's basically free to do what I want when I want. <laughs> it's no obstacles. No restrictions. Just free to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that is precisely what Jesus calls slavery. And so what is true freedom? And and I want to look at this passage through two words. And it's a question mark. Slave or free? Slave or free? Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's offspring. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free. By saying "I'll set you free," Jesus is implied that they're not free; that they're enslaved. Now, immediately they take this as some national freedom, some political freedom, and uh, and they proudly say, "We are the children of Abraham. We're God's chosen children. We've never been enslaved by anyone." Do you find that interesting? Do you find that a little bit odd? Hello? (laughs) What is the Passover? What is the biggest feast in Jerusalem every year? And what is it about? Last time I checked, it was every year. And last time I checked, it was about 400 years of slavery under the pharaohs in Egypt. I mean, hello? Hello? By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. O Jerusalem, if I forget you, may my hand lose its skill. O Jerusalem, if I forget you, may my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. But Jesus doesn't embarrass them with the obvious. (laughs) He could have said, are you kidding The children of abraham have never been enslaved but he is gracious he goes straight to his real meaning which is not about the nation it's about their hearts and it's about our hearts verse 34 jesus answered them truly truly i say to you everyone who lives in practices means lives in everyone who lives in sin is a slave to sin. And there it is. And let me tell you, they didn't like it at all when he said they were a slave to sin. And, and a little bit more than 2,000 years later, it doesn't go over any better than it did then. When we explain that humanity has, has a bent toward self and selfishness and sin... You're telling me that I can't just be what I want to be, do everything I want to do when I want to do it. Hey, that's freedom in me. You're telling me that I have a master? Kent Hughes says we, per- we perpetuate myths, myths that we are at the mercy of no forces that we cannot control. This is a fantasy. Just the power of our own selfishness alone is more than we can handle. You know, people like to think of themselves as completely free. Not under the sway of of anything or anybody. And that is just about as true as the Jews saying, Us? No, we've never been enslaved. It's just as false as the statement given to Jesus when he said, I can set you free. The Roman philosopher Seneca, one of the great Roman philosophers who was from Spain, he said, show me anyone who is not a slave. One is a slave to lust, another to avarice or greed or money a third to ambition, and all alike are a slave to fear. Now that wasn't a Christian voice. That was a Roman pagan voice who just gets it that we're just not as free as we think we are. And Jesus basically says that that whatever you're living for, whatever it is that you want the most, whatever it is that you're arranging your whole life around, To get has power. Otherwise, you wouldn't be arranging your whole life around it. That's how much power it it has in your life. Whatever you give yourself to is your master. And it is the thing or the person that will control you. So let me ask this question. And trust me, I've already asked myself. And y'all do understand when I say I ask myself, you, you do understand I don't always like the answers that I have to give myself, okay? What is it you're living for? I mean, what is it that you think if I could just if I could just do it. If I could just have it. If if I could just own it. Or have this relationship with this person or have this job or have the attention of people or be liked or be pretty or handsome enough or money enough. Whatever it is, if I could just have it and I really want it, so much I'm ranging my life around it or a combination of these things. If I could just get those things in place, I would be okay. It's not true fact it's slavery this is the point that Jesus wants us to see you see when you live for your career and everything's about your career you're a slave to it and when you live to be liked you just can't stand it when someone might not like you you're a slave bound up in your fear And insecurity. Or when you live for your looks, it's never enough, is it? The mirror always tells you it's never enough. When you live for money and for things, you never quite get to a place where you say, That's enough. Now I'm okay. Now I've got everything I want, everything I will ever want in this world. I am okay. No, no, no. We're on to the next thing. We're on to the next this, we're on to the next that. Why? Because we are enslaved. What in the world can break the selfish, self-focused heart out of this slavery? You know, this notion of freedom itself, the right to do what I want to do, think what I want to think, can be a form of slavery because, look, when it's all about me, it's bondage. Unfortunately, it's bondage for the people around you as well. When it's, about, when it's about me, me equals slavery. And this is Jesus' point. We are selfish by nature. We have never been enslaved. Oh, yes, he says. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. So that's slavery. That's where we are. Well, maybe you say, well, that's just such a dramatic word to call it. Well, I want you to think about how the ancient world basically had free people and and slaves. And in the ancient world, you just kind of didn't move unless you were able to buy your way out of slavery or somebody bought your way out of slavery This is supposed to be dramatic. This is supposed to be something that you can't get out of. It's slavery. It's being owned by something, owned by another person, and in servitude to them, and you can't get out of it. That's what Jesus' point is. That's why he says, I can make you free. I can get you out. So, slave, question mark. Or, secondly, free? Question mark. Everything about the gospel of Jesus Christ is freedom. Do you remember in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus was back in Capernaum and he was worshiping in the synagogue and they were going to allow him to teach? And so he stood and he opened the the scroll to Isaiah. Luke 4 records it. And... He stood up and he said this. And he was just reading it right out of the Old Testament about the Messiah who could actually get this done. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And when he finished... Reading that and the other things that went along with it, he said, these words today have been fulfilled in your hearing. I am him. I am the liberator. I'm the one who has come to set you free. And they were so angry. That Jesus from the village next door would claim to be the Messiah. That they tried to throw Him off a cliff. They were so angry to even have it suggested that they were slaves. Needing to be free. I'm the liberator. And how did He do that? It's our sin, remember. It's our selfishness that enslaves us. Well, He did that by taking all our sin upon Himself and dying on, on the cross. You know... Jesus defeated our sin before a holy God where we are no longer held responsible for our sin. We are set free from our sin and the guilt of our sin, (laughs) Selah. You know, we are set free from our sin before God. This is huge. Jesus defeated sin on the cross by our sin being nailed to the cross, by Him taking the punishment that we deserve from God For our sin, He did away with sin. And and when we receive Christ, our old self our old self and and our sin before God died it's taken away we are completely forgiven it's expiated that means blotted out isn't that amazing? think about all your sins that's just right there before you, blotted out And we rose with Jesus into this new life. And in our new life, our sins are not counted against us. And God is not in judgment over us anymore. That's an amazing thing. Because Christ has done this for us in our place. In our new life, we have the perfect love and acceptance that we have always craved. And nobody can give it to us. And God just overflows us with His love and acceptance because of Jesus. And in our new life, we have purpose that we have been looking for all of our lives. And in our new life, we can live more as we were designed to live. We weren't designed simply to live for ourselves, we were made for love, to love God and to love other people. We were made for beauty. The beauty of God's creation, the image of God, and now the beauty of the grace and love of God given to us to dwell within us in freedom and in rest because it's done, we're accepted, and the beauty of being able to love other people and the freedom that comes from being loved and the freedom that comes from actually loving and not just holding on. The letting go is freedom. The giving is what freedom feels like. People have defined freedom as doing what you would really like to do. I love how Tim Keller talks about this. By the way, you can Google that he's like the the you know the uh, the Jedi master on freedom. And he says, basically, Okay, but what we would really like to do, deep down, is to be loved. That's what we really like to do. And what we'd really like to do deeper than just us wanting something for ourselves is to, is to love and to be that loving person who actually sacrifices for another and to be loved like that by another. Basically... We have to lose our personal freedom in order to love. We have to lose being our own God and obeying the tyranny of our ego to be, to, in order to love, in order to become the person that God has made us to be, to function in a way that resonates with the beauty and love and glory of God in our lives. You know, I have this saying that I've used with people all over the years, and and it goes like this. You can't be the person you really want to be if you get everything you want. Let me say that again, okay? You cannot be the person that you really want to be. I'm, I'm talking about as a believer now. If you just get everything you want. It's just, it's totally, if you get everything you want, you will never be the person you want to be. Because selfishness and the person you want to be, the person God's designed you to be, the person God is releasing us through His grace to be, those are fundamentally incompatible. You have to lose your personal freedom and sacrifice to others to live a life that is love, that is satisfying, that is purposeful. And that is the life that Jesus gives. And he gives it through his sacrifice. You understand? This is why we know. This is how we know what God's love is. That Christ laid down his life for us. 1 John says. He gives it through his sacrificial love on the cross. And it produces a heart that wants to know him. Wants to be loved by Him, wants a relationship with Him, and wants to give love. And it's funny how love takes away our freedom. I remember several years ago talking to a a young married couple. And man, they got married and the wedding was beautiful. The wedding was just a little lower than the angels. Six months later, we're about six inches above hell. So we sit down. You know, I, I'm almost afraid to ask the question, what's the problem here? <laughs> well, let me, let me describe the problem to you in this particular case. And they both had problems. They're both sinners in need of God's grace and need of walking with the Lord and being changed by God. So all that notwithstanding, the problem was is that he kept hanging out with all his buddies Four times a week, just like he did before he was single. That he went to the deer stand and disappeared for months. Really, just a month and a week. But you get my point. And surprise, surprise, she wasn't happy with it. What's wrong with that woman? (laughs) He felt that he was still free to choose his own life free to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it and she was basically saying you are free to be single again if you choose that (laughs) And I told him Ralph you can't live the single life married by the way if you're newly married write that down You can't live the single life married. You have to live the married life married. That means there is another person, in case you haven't noticed, that lives in the home with you that you have made promises to that you are to be one with in Christ. And he had to learn that that love means losing your personal freedom. You see, this personal freedom is really bondage. It is a one-way street to disappointment, a one-way street to havoc in our relationships and, and bitter disappointment by all parties in the end. It just is. And I think you intuitively know this. He had to learn that love means losing personal freedom to, to gain the, the greater prize of togetherness, being one flesh, being united. And it's the same with Jesus. He gave all to have us. Isn't that wonderful? That's how much He loved you. He gave all to have us. He gave all to love us. And we get to love Him. And we get to love other people. And this is why it's so important in verse 35, if you'll look at the text again, that Jesus calls us sons and daughters, not slaves. You see, here is the... Here is the the comparison, and if you want more on that, go to the book of Galatians. There's an entire entire section just on slaves versus sons. And I won't go into that right now except just to read Jesus' words and just tell you kind of what it means. Verse 35, we're no longer slaves. He's freed us. Now we're sons. Verse 35, the slave does not get to remain in the father's house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son has set you free, you are permanently free. You are free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you're in the house. But you're not just in the house. You're adopted. You are God's Son. You are God's daughter. And this isn't just about some religion that you follow. This isn't just about Spiritual techniques and other techniques to get a little peace of mind. This is about a relationship with a personal God who created everything and a personal God that loved you so much he redeemed you by his precious love and his precious blood. This is about a relationship. That's precisely what a slave doesn't have. You're not my son, you're an employee. In modern terms, don't confuse yourself with my son when you're an employee. You don't have that relationship. You don't presume on that relationship. You don't get to stay in the house as long as you want to. You can be put out of this house in a moment because you're not one of mine. We have the freedom of sons. Because freedom is in a person. Jesus, the Messiah. And what He has come to do, what He has accomplished, what is finished on our behalf, and the resurrection and the new life He gives to anybody that comes to Him and says, I can't get there on my own. I can't be good enough to be accepted by a holy God. And I can't even handle my own selfishness for 10 minutes. I'm so bound to myself. I need to be free. And so Jesus brings this freedom through His sacrifice. That's what freedom looks like. Jesus brings this freedom that is relational. We're just talking about what freedom is. We're sons and we're not slaves anymore. But finally... True freedom is also a process that God is working in our lives. Okay, there, there, there he goes again. There he goes again, cutting across what we want to hear. No, what we want to hear is, boom, I got Jesus, I was free. Well, that's true. You're free from condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. You're free to be a son you're free to be loved by god you're free to love god and you're free to ruin your conscience as well you understand what i'm saying here if we are and how, and how do how do we how do we gain a process where we continue in this freedom that we know this freedom and we even grow in our understanding of this freedom and our experience of this freedom Maybe we could put it this The answer is the Word of God, by the way. That's what Jesus says. So maybe we could put it this way. If you're living in the house as a son or a daughter with a father who loves you, don't you want the father to teach you? Or do you just want to be in the house? And if you just want to be in the house and you don't want to be taught by the father, you don't want to have a life, you don't want to grow, you don't, I mean, what is this about to you? A lot of people just want to be in the house, but they don't want to learn from the father. That's going to take some wanting to. That's going to take some constraints. That's going to take like running in a lane, actually learning the Father's words. That's going to take kind of a lifestyle change of of intake from the Father on purpose of His truth. It's where the Word of God comes in. It's how we stay free. Now, let me just say... As believers, we can so easily slide back into the world's ideas. And you know what? As believers, when we slide back into the world's ideas and we're living for that thing or that person or this combination, we're in we're bondage too. We're like sons that rather live in the slave quarters. And we need the grace of God to give us a way out, even as believers. We, we need to be able to see that it is and always will be Jesus. We need to see that, that in our hearts that suddenly don't become perfect, wouldn't it be great if you came to Jesus and like all of your sins were not only forgiven, but you never sinned anymore? And John Calvin had some great teaching on this. He said, you know, we're declared Perfect before God because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus and his perfect record given to us, right? We're declared righteous before God, he said, but we're not actually righteous. That's what the whole Christian life is for. That's what this process of God growing us to become more and more like Christ that's what that is for. On the one hand, you could say, well, I just hate that because I want everything in an instant. On the, other thing, on the other hand, you could say, okay, this is a journey. What that means is no matter where I am on this journey, I can join this journey today. I can at least ask God to open my heart to want to join this journey with Him and, and, and to be taught from Him. This is a way of living in Jesus, in grace, In his word, verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and the truth will continue to set you free. Okay, next problem has just been introduced, and that is the whole concept of truth. Our world is giving up on the idea of truth as being separate from opinions. Like there is a truth. There is truth that is not dependent on what people think. Not dependent on who's in power. Not dependent on what the, any form of media says. It's just true. Kind of given up on that idea and truth varies now. Excuse me, I should have done my air quotes. Truth A different kind of truth it varies now from person to person right oh that's true to me and you have a different truth how about it's true to me and what you believe is exactly opposite and it's true too I'm sorry that's just not possible something's either true or it's not that's the whole concept of what truth means and look, while that sounds like really cool and accepting and everything, do we want to really live in a world without any truth independent of what we think? Do we want to live in a world where murder is no longer murder? Do we want, do we want to live in a world where, where bank fraud, Wall Street fraud is no We almost lived in that world. But when we want to live in the world they were you know, brought under because there's truth. You can't steal people's money. And y'all, the truth is that we all act on what we believe is true, whether it's true or not. So we're searching in our souls for what is true. Whether we actually acknowledge truth being absolute and overarching or not. But the gospel, the Christian faith, is all about truth. And this passage teaches us, without the truth, there is no freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. One scholar says the Christian understanding of truth is that it comes from God. It is transcendent. It's from the outside, not from inside of our hearts and what we make it to be. The Christian understanding of truth is that it comes from God. It comes from the Bible. And it can't be therefore legislated by governments. It can't be controlled by kings or dictators. It cannot. Truth cannot be controlled by the media. Society cannot redefine truth. Your next door neighbor cannot redefine truth. Your peer that you want to be just like cannot redefine truth because truth is above all of us. It's true. You understand this? That sounds like I'm mad, but I'm really excited about this. I'm just kind of excited. Okay, that's not mad. Because desperately we want there to be truth. And we all act as though there's truth. Don't even pretend like you're not acting on what you believe is truth so we want to know we will know the truth and the truth will set us free Um, Madison Avenue ain't going to set you free you're just going to want more Wall Street's not going to set you free you're just going to want more our peers cannot set us free our worldly dreams cannot set us free Truth sets us free. In fact, could I just be like utterly outrageous for a moment? We are called by the Scriptures to stand above the culture in the sense of judging the culture by the truth. I don't mean judging in in a bad way. I just mean discerning. We are literally called to discern what's going on around us. By the truth and discerning it, we are called to move out in love and meet it with love, meet it with mercy, meet it with grace. Jesus wants us to have him and his freeing love. Jesus wants us to have an ongoing relationship with himself the risen Christ, and an ongoing relating to the truth. So, my last little thing that we probably need to work through is, are you telling me, like, I really kind of have to discipline myself to learn God's truth? What a bummer. I'm so so upset that I came to church today. I'm not telling you that. Jesus is telling you that. It's only if you want to live a life that is understanding of freedom. If you, ever want, if you want to live a life that understands grace and can, and when we slide back into the world's viewpoints and realize where our hearts have gone, to be able to come back to what the Scriptures say and be able to come back to Christ, it's only if you, you want the, to live in the Father's house and be taught by the Father. Uh, Tim Keller says, a person who learns to play the piano... You just don't do that just by being free. Well, I'm free. I can play the piano. We'll sit down and do it. This person never played the piano before. Sit down and play me Beethoven, Beethoven's Fifth, please. And just be really free the way you play it. No way. No. To play Beethoven's Fifth or whatever, whatever piece of music, you know what you got to do, right? You got to chain yourself to that piano for hours. You got to learn the notes. You got to have somebody teaching you. You got to have somebody instructing you. You got to have somebody showing you. That's what a disciple is, y'all. taste thats the Greek word. It means a follower. It means an apprentice, one who is an understudy of the teacher. That's what it means. One who not only wants to learn what the teacher has to say, but be able to do what the teacher teaches us to do. That's what being a disciple is. you got to chain yourself to the piano for hours and hours. And then once you have mastered it because you have given up your freedom and restricted yourself within the rules of piano, so to speak, then when you sit down, you can just flow that music. You can have your own arrangement of that music, and it's beautiful. You can improvise and still have that piece of music. And it's just free. Did any of y'all read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? I read that book, I guess, about six years ago. It's a fascinating book. It's about these people that are kind of that are they kind of coming up with ideas and doing things that change the way the rest of us see things. And they were outliers. They weren't, you know, kind of in the system of the way people do and, and whatever. Um, and there's great examples in that book of, of people, but you know what? As he discovered these people, um, he discovered, like, and, and, and a couple of the, the, the people, uh, Bill Gates is one of the people, the Beatles are one of the groups of people. It's a cool book, y'all. I like the Beatles. So he discovered that didn't matter what the outlier was, it didn't matter, one of the keys to their greatness, are you ready for this? is that they mastered what it was that they were trying to do to the point that they were able to actually bend it and change it because they understood it. Malcolm Gladwell says, as he has studied and other sociologists have studied people like this, you know how many hours of practice it takes to be that concert pianist that's playing in Carnegie Hall? It takes an average, Malcolm Gladwell says, of, you ready for this? So if you really want to be, go to Carnegie Hall, you need 10,000 hours. That's amazing! You want to be free? We need for our sins to be wiped away by Jesus. We need for Him to come into our life because of this love. And we need to experience the love of God without any condemnation. We need to be able to rest in this grace. And we need to be able to learn his truth as well. We need to be a disciple. I want to read Romans 6:16 6, and 17, and we'll finish. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, either sin or that leads to death or obedience that leads to righteousness? Verse 17 of Romans 6. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which you have committed. Slave or free? Bondage or gospel? Opinions or truth? This is what freedom feels like. It feels like acceptance, it feels like love, it feels like truth, it feels like a life in the Father's house. The Jesus we need is the Emancipator, the one who sets us free. Let's pray. Lord, you said things that are hard for us to hear today, we don't want to hear them. But we know instinctively that we have that bent towards self. If you've never put your, tr- your trust in what Christ has done on the cross for you before a holy God and you want to receive salvation and forgiveness, just pray with me. Lord, I see it. I can't do this. And that's why it's called grace. I can't believe that you've done all of this for me and it's finished. It's completed. I want to turn from everything that I have called Christianity and I want to put my trust in you, Jesus, and what you've done. Thank you that even now you've forgiven me. Thank you that even now you've given me your spirit. Thank you that even now you've begun me on a journey. And Lord, there are many of us who have walked with you, and we love you, but we fall right back into ways of thinking that lead to slavery. God, would you help us to see that this morning? Would you help us to turn from those things or those people as first place in our hearts To you, O God, that you would set us free and that you would actually help those things and those people to have real meaning as a part of your good gifts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.